This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, two old-time radio stories, one hour of radio drama, which you can find every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like to help support this and all of the Relic Radio shows, you can do that through the website as well. Click on one of the donate links or visit donate.relicradio.com if you'd like to help out. Your support makes all of this possible. Our first story this week comes from Escape. It's their episode from April 5th, 1953, titled A Sleeping Draft. After that, it's the case of the worried champion, the September 10th, 1950 episode of The Adventures of the Falcon. First, here's Escape. Tired of the everyday grind... Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. alone on the deck of a stinking convict ship, becalmed in a yellow fog, while somewhere in the dark below you, free from the cells that held them, is a deadly band of murderers seeking out your life. Listen now as Escape brings you Weston Martyr's exciting story, A Sleeping Draft. That helps. But it's like I say. You can't forget. You can never forget. Yet it's at night that you think about it. With the water outside rushing past the hull. That's when you think. And it can never be the same. You can't trust anybody. Never. Not a soul. I can tell you, you just can't trust them. Not even yourself. What is it, mister? Uh, Mr. Finch says he's ready to board, sir. Oh, he is, eh? All right, well, I'm not stopping him. Uh, sir, hmm? he insists on bringing them aboard one at a time. What? Does he think I'm going to miss the tide? There's over 400 of them. It'll take hours. That's what I said, sir, but he... Mr. Finch, come aboard if you please. I'm sorry, sir. I should have resigned, stinking. Filthy poor devil cargo. Duh. Everything I cook, Captain? 
No, everything is not I, Cockalorum. What in blazes do you mean ordering my mate about? No offence intended, none taken, I hope. I want those scurvy wretches aboard now. All of them. You put them below and we'll weigh anchor. One at a time, sir. One at a time. We've got to search them. Why didn't you do that before you took them out of jail? <laughs> You'd be surprised what those swine can pick up. Between jail and the docks, Captain. We've got to search them one at a time, and that's a fact. They're murdering devils, every last one of them. Convicts came aboard one by one. I watched them. They were going from London to a land they'd never seen. A colony had bought them. Australia. 400. The sweepings and scrapings sorted out from the muck of the jails, with Finch in charge of them. Oh, I've carried dirty cargoes. Dyewood, for instance, crawling with scorpions and spiders, not to mention snakes. Then there's cattle. But this... Weeks and months at sea with a human cargo who'd as soon cut your throat as spit. And what made it worse was I felt sorry for the poor beggars. I watched them come aboard until there were two left. Name? Wilkes. Search him. Hey, take your bleeding hands off of me. I ain't got nothing. Ain't you stole me last month? Search your jaw! That's enough, Finch. I won't have the cat used on my ship. They'll get enough of it where they're going. You're a trusting soul, you are, Captain. Ha! How would you like that between your ribs? A touch of the cat's a lot better than letting this swine bring a knife aboard. Take him below! I don't know how they do it. Swelp me, I don't. You've got to watch them for knives. Next! Right. Ooh, here's a terror. Look at the size of him. Dangerous swine. Three murders in Australia. Escaped. He's in Brit when he gets back. Name? Abbey. Jonathan Abbey. Abbey? Well, well, a gentleman in chains. I am sorry, Your Worship. Forgive us for daring to lay hands on Your Highness. I'm sure as how you've been wrongly accused. That's enough, Finch. Search him, then take him below. I want Mr. Jonathan Abbey shackled. He's a prize. We mustn't let anything happen to him. From the day we left London docks, I'd taken a violent dislike to Finch. He seemed to be happiest when he was laying about him with his cat on the convicts herded like sheep below decks. He kept them quiet enough. But one night I decided to have it out with him in my cabin. I made it strong, I can tell you, so that even he could understand what I meant. You all finished, Captain? All right, you hear me out. They're a bad lot, 400 of them all bound for Australia, and they don't want to go. You follow me? There's that bloke, Abby. As soon as we touch Sydney, the game's up for him. They'll hang him, sure. That does not mean that you have the right to make life even worse for them here. Oh, no. If I don't, where do you think we'll be? What would you do if you were down there? I'll tell you. Get hold of this ship. That's what you're doing. It'll be easy. They're locked in and we've got a guard. Ah, you don't know them like I do. Yeah, there's another thing. When I searched them, there was one to five sovereigns stowed away on every man. Earned or stolen. That'll come to over a thousand pounds by my figures. They're entitled to that money. It's little enough to take to a wild country. It's true, but there's them down there what would slit the gullet of any man for a shilling. <laughs> you asked me to dainty with them. Ah! That's the way he talked to me. And I can tell you I didn't feel easy anymore. 
I did something I hadn't done for a long time. Brought two pistols out from ship's stores and kept them under my pillow. It was when we got around the horn that the first convict died from scurvy. We had to put him over the side, of course, and there was a lot of grousing. I went down to the hold with Finch. It was hot and stinking. Now you let me talk to him, Captain, or I'll put it to rights. You tell him it couldn't be helped. Don't you mind, I'll tell him. Oi! Here comes old bloody pot. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Finch. Did you steal the clothes off the poor beggar's back before you threw him in? <laughs> men! Men! We ain't men, dearie. We're dogs, or haven't you <laughs> Why didn't you wait to bury poor old Smithy in the ground instead of chucking him in the sea? Yeah. All right! All right! All right! We've got another two or three weeks before we reach land. I'll make a bargain with you. The next one that dies, now it's getting nice and hot. I'll leave him down here. And you can take care of him and mourn him until we get to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? (laughs) Half a crown, you don't keep him for three days. That's old bloody pot, always a nose for business. (laughs) (laughs) If you ain't satisfied with that, I'll see that hatch is closed down tight for the rest of the voyage. And you can boil for all of me. That seemed to settle it for a time. I began to see that in spite of Finch's hardness with them, the prisoners knew he was master and behaved themselves. That is, most of them did. But there were others. And that's what began the trouble. We were two days out of the Cook Islands when it happened. Yes? Captain, there's a man on deck. We brought him up from below. It's it's horrible. What happened? One of the convicts, sir. Oh, fight, eh? Yes, sir. Here we are, Captain. Mr. Darling ain't much of a surgeon, I must say. Oh, I did what I could. He must have been dead before we got him up here. He's... He's been cut to pieces. Not half he ain't. How did it happen? Oh, I heard him shouting. When I went down the hole, there he was, propped up like against the bars. With his arms through, holding him up. Poor devil. Who, <laughs> him? Nah, he's dead. There's others in for it, though. What do you mean? How do you think he got cut up like that? Knives, Captain. Knives! But you searched them before they bored him. I did, and truth, I don't know how they done it. Small knives, Captain. Small knives. And we're getting close to Australia, that's what it is. Whoever's got them knives is after money. The thousand quid or more what's on this cursed ship. I don't see... You're a trusting soul, you are, Captain. Maybe there's a dozen of them, maybe twenty with knives. Follow me. They'll run the others and rob them blind. Gold sovereign captain, you didn't forget, did you? If anybody objects, <coughs> cut him up in small pieces like this one. We've got to go down there and put a stop to it. <laughs> yes, I don't think. How many guns you got aboard? Well, two pistols and four muskets. That's a fat lot of good. Well, must take the sweep with us, sir. We can try. There's no harm in that. Mark my words, Captain, before we get to Sydney, all of us will probably have our throats cut. Come on. Finch and I, with two seamen, armed ourselves and went down into the hold and stood outside the bars. 
men inside were quiet. Very quiet. They just looked at us, dark-like. You men! I'll talk to them. Now, you listen to me. We know some of you are carrying knives. And I want you to throw them out here. Nothing further will be said about it if you do as I say. Well? Oh, oh, Captain, my porridge wasn't hot enough this morning. And please, sir, can I have sugar in it tomorrow? <laughs> that ain't the way to talk to this scum. The captain, the gentleman. I'm not. You know me, don't you? We know you all right. You, Abby. You listen to me. I'm giving you until morning to throw them knives out of here. Till morning. If every blasted one ain't out of your dirty hands, I'm going to have you flogged, every ruddy one of you. Fifty lashes. Do you hear that, Mr. Abby? I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Till morning. <laughs> Then 50 lashes. You think about that, Mr. Abbey. Good morning, Captain Deer and Mr. Finch. You filthy scum, where's them knives? Where they do the most good. All right. I've given you a chance. I've played fair. And uh, Mr. Finch, sir, may I, uh, may I have a word with you? Oh, come back to your senses, have you? Now, bend close to the bars, because uh, what i got to say, i got to whisper. Well, what is it? What is it? Well, now, it goes like this here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an hundred lashes, Wilkes. I'll take you first and handle the cat myself. Oh, no, sir. Uh, why not take him first? He won't feel it like I will. The crowd of men parted suddenly, and from out of them was pushed what had once been a man. It fell against the bars, and then no longer with the support of living arms, it slid to the deck. We looked at him, Finch and me. His life had been worth a sovereign. Maybe two. He hadn't either now. And the knives were still in the hole. With them that had killed him. We will return to escape in just a moment. But first, many a baseball manager has felt the need of divine guidance to win the pennant. At least once, the story goes, it actually happened. Hear George Murphy, Janet Lee, and child star Donna Kakorin in Angels in the Outfield on most of these same CBS radio stations. Enjoy this fabulous comedy at the Star's Address tomorrow night on the Lux Radio Theater. And now, back to Escape. As I sees it, we've got to have a council of war, in a manner of speaking. I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Finch. There'll be no flogging. I can see you're sharper, you are. Now, that's right. 
Too dangerous. We ain't armed for it. We're in a nasty mood. We've got to be crafty, same as them. I wish we could spill the old lot of them overboard. And lose your contract for carrying them? <laughs> Not bloody likely. Here, listen here. I'll get them knives. How? It's Abby behind this. He tells them what's what. Get him out and the others will come around. Mark my words. Are you going into the old... Not yet. Wouldn't go in there. Save after we cut off their water and food. Feel the etch. You see what happens. They'll die. They'll die from knives then. Which do you want? They'll be begging you to take the ruddy knives in three days. And if they don't? We'll tell them to hand over Abby to us. That he's the one to blame for their misfortunes. They'll do it. All right. If that's the only way, I'll give the order. But not just yet, Captain. We'll let them sit down there and wonder. They wonder what we're going to do about them. Some of them may get nervous. We'll let them wonder a bit. I didn't see Finch the rest of the day. The barometer had fallen suddenly, and with it came a storm. I can tell you I had me hands full for the next 24 hours. There was no time to worry about what was going on in the old of the ship, but I didn't think they'd have much stomach for knifing each other and killing. Next morning at breakfast, he didn't turn up at all. We searched the old ship, and then I went down into the hold. And that's where he was. And he hadn't died quickly. Someone had held him against the bars, and the others had... He hadn't died quickly. Present for you, Captain. Who did this? Who did it? I wouldn't waste sleep mourning him, Captain. He was a bully and no better than us, except that he was outside. Abby! Well, I thought you were shackled. Yes, I was, but Mr. Finch kindly supplied the key to unfasten me. You're going to pay for this. All of you. Where are those knives? In here, Captain. Want to come in and get them? <laughs> You'll pay for this. You're repeating yourself, Captain. Good morning. Blasted convict had dismissed me like I was a clerk in an office. There wasn't anything I could do about it. With Finch out of the way, they knew I was an easy mark. It was the nights that got on my nerves. I could hear things happening, lots of things. And it was awful. Those devils with the knives. And each morning, we'd have to pull out six or a dozen, all cut about and bleeding. Most of them died. But those with the knives were getting money, money they sold from the victims. I began to be afraid of me crewmen, that one would take a bribe and let that murdering crowd out. I walked around with two pistols in my jacket all the time. And then, late one afternoon, something very bad happened. I was standing by the wheel. Captain! Captain! Here, Bosun! He got out, sir! Got out? Who? Who? The big one, Abby. Two of us were standing guard. We heard a scream. It was Abby. Said he'd been stabbed. Benson opened the grill to get in, and Abby bashed him on the head and bolted. What about the others? I got the girl toes in time. They're safe enough. He must be somewhere on the ship, sir, unless he went overboard. Not that one. He's up to mischief. Here, take one of my pistols, mister. Aye, sir. And pass out the muskets. I want every inch of the ship searched. If he puts up a fight, shoot him. Do you hear me? Shoot him. The night comes quickly in southern parts. Did you ever try to search a ship at night with lanterns? It's not easy. There are too many shadows, too many sounds which could be rats, or a murderer who's bigger than what you are and could choke your life out in half a minute. We couldn't find him, but he was somewhere aboard, waiting his time. 
because we were short-handed, what with the crew searching and all, I stood a watch. And I thought about that man whom Finch said had committed three murders in Australia. Don't turn around, <laughs> Captain. It's only a little knife, but don't move. What do you want? A talk? I've nothing to say to the likes of you, Abby. That may be, but I have an offer to make you. You know what I'm you know what I'm in for when we reach Sydney? Finch told me. I've no pity for you, Abby. I'm not asking for pity. I have an offer to make. The men below are planning to take the ship. I don't think they've got a chance, but they'll be killing. Those that have got the knives have got all the money, too. It's twelve hundred pounds. I'm aware of that, mister. I can get the knives for you. Huh? All I want is a chance to get away before the ship docks. How do I know it's not a trick? Turn around, Captain. Yeah. My knife. Will that convince you? You must have a pistol. You can shoot me if you want. What makes you think you can get the knives away from them, Abby? I can. That's all you need to know. I, uh, I couldn't help you openly, you know that. You're put aboard as a murderer, you're in my charge, and it's my job to turn you over to the police as soon as we arrive. Then... If you could get the knives, though, I might be able to give you a chance to clear out. That's all I want. The chance. All right. I must have a pistol. What? A pistol. You take me for a fool? No, it's the only way to get the knives. I give you this pistol, you shoot me d- Not likely. If I'd wanted to do that, Captain, I'd have cut your throat two minutes ago. You're a murderer. I know. You can't have it. And it's either them or your ship and probably your life. Well? You talk like a gentleman, Mr. Abbey, but suppose you want my pistol so as you can free them. You just have to trust me. As I'd trust you to give me a chance to get away. Oh. Here, take it. What about the guards below? They'll shoot. I'll take you down. I'll say I caught you. How, uh, how do I get out again when I've got the knives? You send word that you want to see me. All right. Captain, I'm trusting you now. I want that chance to get away. We'll talk about it if you get the knives. Come on, I'll take you below now and... You come back tomorrow. Keep your voice low, Captain. They think I'm tricking you into making a bargain. They think I stole the pistol. I told them I had to have the knives to make you believe that we wouldn't make trouble. I said we'd take over the ship tonight. What do you want me to do? Leave me the key to the grill. I'll slip out tonight and bring you the knives. Well, they'll want you to let them out, too. I won't. I'll lock it. How do I know you will? You don't. You will have to trust me, Captain. Did, did they know about this plan? All except for the fact that I'm going to lock them in once I'm out. Give me the knives now. No. They'd know something was wrong. I'd never get out alive. Give me the key. All right, Abby. Here. Tonight. I waited. 
And I can tell you I didn't like it. The wind came up a bit and I knew that before sunrise we'd be in Sydney. That is, if I could trust a murderer. At ten o'clock that night, there was a rap on my cabin door. One of your crew nearly caught me coming down here. Well, I've kept my side of the bargain. The knives are all there. No, you needn't worry. Here's your pistol. You may need it. Thanks. Now, how do I get away? We'll be in port in about six hours, if the wind holds. You stay aft in the longboat. When you hear the anchor go, drop over the side and swim for it. I'll try to anchor as close to land as possible before I take her in. I can land without being seen. I've got some friends who'll hide me. I don't want to know about it. You just remember, when the anchor lets go, that's your signal. Thank you, Captain. I trust you and I'd like to shake hands with you. I took the hand of the murderer and we shook hands like old friends. And then he was gone. Two hours later, the wind went down, and in its place came fog, thick, mucky fog. I had my hands full, what with danger from other ships and the blasted current that mucks you about off the harbour entrance. By three o'clock, the fog had shut in properly, and the blissed tide ran us all over the place. But proper dangerous, I can tell you. We were about 15 miles offshore, and I didn't like the look of things. There's shoals there about, and so I sent the mate forward to heave the lead. I got a proper start when I heard him sing out, By the deep fog. We'd got off course right enough, and at this rate, we'd shear the bottom clean off her. I saw it was high time to bring the ship up and wait until we could see something. Let go the anchor! Let go the anchor! Give her 35 fathoms to the water's edge, most. Aye, sir! None too soon, sir. She was shoaling fast. Blasted current must have been making five knots out to sea. Listen to her. She's holding, sir. The, the anchor. I forgot. The anchor. Abby. 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 I went to the longboat. It was empty. He's heard the signal as the anchor paid out. He couldn't see in the fog. And had gone overboard into a five-knot tide running straight out to sea, 15 miles from shore. He trusted me. And that's why I tell you, you shouldn't trust anybody. (sighs) Sometimes it's... Hours sleeping at night. Then you hear the water outside and you think... That's when it's hard to sleep. Under the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you a sleeping draft by Weston Martyr, adapted by S.A. Bolt, and starring Ben Wright. Featured in the cast were John Dodsworth, Richard Peel, Charlie Lung, Alec Harford, and Eric Snowden. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. 
next week. You are traveling east on a cross-country bus, while among your fellow passengers, seemingly innocent and friendly, are a man and a woman who plan to destroy you. You and a hundred and fifty million of your countrymen. So listen next week when Escape brings you Anthony Ellis' exciting story, The Biggest Secret in the World. An auto race around the world. Impossible, you say? Well, it really happened in 1908. And tomorrow night, hear Van Johnson star in Around the World, the exciting suspense story of this unbelievable auto race. Van Johnson will be heard with the rest of Suspense's cast, direct from the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, where an annual automobile show is taking place. Suspense's production tomorrow night will be a part of the auto show. Don't miss it over most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. America now rides to the tune of 25 million auto radios and listens most to the CBS radio network. tonight. Have to see a girl about a prize fighter. He was asked to throw a fight and it looks like he has a choice of being knocked out or knocked off. The Adventures of the Falcon, starring Les Damon. You met the Falcon first in his best-selling novel. Then you saw him in his thrilling motion picture series. Now join him on the air when the Falcon solves The Case of the Worried Champion. Sunday in New York, and this particular Sunday happens to be the birthday of boxing champion Tommy Foster. So Foster's manager, Luke Whitney, throwing a big celebration at the River Steakhouse, and a good time is being had by all, when suddenly Foster's jaw tightens and he scowls as he stares across the room. Whitney notices. Oh, what's the matter, kid? 
Look who just came in. Oh. Well, what do you know, Steve Cortez? It was in the paper you having the party for me here. That's why he came. Oh, what? Don't let it get you. I know what he's trying, Whitney. He wants to get my ghost. So you don't let him. You laugh it off. Burns me up. Where he's been yapping in the papers oh, about... Part of the game, kid. You should know that by now. Well, he didn't have to come here. Look, if you're going to let him get you like this... Hey, here he comes. Over to this table. All right, just sit tight. Let me do the talking. Save the fireworks for the ring. Well, if this isn't a coincidence. Is it, Cortez? I suppose you didn't know Whitney was having a birthday party for me here tonight? No kidding, champ. Well, happy birthday to you. If I'd known, I'd have brought a cake. Why don't you sit down, Cortez? Join the party. Well, thanks, Whitney, but I don't think the champ would like it. To keep reminding him what's in store for him. Now, look, if you think I'm afraid of you, Cortez... Now, where would I get an idea like that? Just because you've been dodging me for two years? I wasn't dodging. Just I... because the only reason you finally agreed to meet me was the commission threatening to suspend you if you didn't? That's a lie. Never mind, Whitney. I'll quit riding Foster. I see he's the excitable type. So I won't upset him anymore. Until we get in the ring. Oh, yeah? <laughs> now, that's what I call a bright remark. I'll show you who's bright. Right you yeah. think I'm a scary? Stop you. it, Foster. Stop it, you're Let go with me. I'm not taking any more of his orders. All right, Cortez, you've been asking for it. Try this on, but stop. Stop. Well, Whitney, there's your champ. If him and me are going to meet in the ring, you better start picking up the pieces. He started it. Of course he wasn't goaded into it, Cortez. You wouldn't dream of needling him. He's punchy. He blows his top easy. Did you know something, son? What? I had 75000 invested in you to take Foster. And then this ridiculous incident, most disappointing. How do you figure that? I flattened him in ten seconds. Looks to me like you invested smart. Where's the disappointment? The odds, son, the odds. You've jumped to a one-to-five favorite. No percentage in backing you at that figure. He'll still win. I always insist on a better return for my I'm money. I'm sorry, Rich, but Foster asked for it. I didn't come here to quibble about the details. Now, why did you come here? You see, Cortez, it's like this. Considering the shift in odds, I'm forced to back Foster now instead of you. You understand? All right, it's your dough if you want to throw it away. You don't understand. I have no intentions of throwing it away. So what do you want me to do? Have I asked you to do anything? I'm beginning to get the idea without you asking. Good. I counted on your good sense. Oh, chase yourself. I just wanted you to know I'm not the only one betting on Foster. And if you whip him, well, somebody will resent it. I thought I should tip you off, son. I always like to do the friendly thing. Well, thanks so much. Now, get out of here. And not so fast. I might be asked your attitude in this matter. If I am, what answer do I give? Oh, you, uh, you want an answer, huh, Rich? Yes. All right. Here it is in a nutshell. So you slugged, Rich? Yeah. For a fellow who makes his living by fighting, it seems to me you're giving away an awful lot of free samples. They asked for it. Even so, Rich wanted me to take a dive. I don't go for that. Going to report him to the boxing commission? I can take care of myself. I don't need the commission. But I thought you're supposed to report any gambler who asked you to throw a fight. Look, leave me handle it my way, will you? Sure, 
sure. <laughs> sure, I touchy lately. I got things on my mind. What things? Don't tell me the fight's bothering you. Of course, they don't make me laugh. And what is it? It's nothing. But you just Look, said... what are you, a detective or something? No, Steve, I'm just trying All the to... time, you got to act suspicious. Well, I wasn't suspicious, but now I'm beginning to wonder. Oh, now you're beginning to wonder. Yes, huh? I am. Come to think of it, you broke three dates with me last week. I told you, training. Got to get the better of it. One of the nights was the night you had that fight with Foster. You break a date with me and wind up in a nightclub? Not a nightclub. It's a restaurant. That's all I got to eat, don't I? Act like I never take you nowhere. You're beginning to act like maybe you don't want to. matter? Is there somebody else? It don't mean anything. Just a couple of dates. Oh, and there is something. Now, don't get any ideas. It's you getting ideas I'm worried about. I told you, it don't mean anything. It's you and me, baby. You know that. Yeah, you and me and how many others? Yeah? Oh, Tommy Foster. Yeah. Well, come in, champ. Thanks, you, uh, you're Mike Waring, ain't you, detective? Mm-hmm. They call you the Falcon. You're supposed to be good. They call you the champ. You're supposed to be good, too, but Cortez flattened you. I didn't come here to get ribbed, Waring. Why did you come here? I just heard Don Rich called on Cortez the other day. The gambler? The gambler. He asked Cortez to throw the fight. Where'd you hear this? From Margo Marino. She's Cortez's girl. Only they had a fight. And she says Rich propositioned Cortez? Yeah. Well... I want you to check, see if she's on the level. Why? Well, Cortez should have reported Rich to the commission, and he didn't. So if Margot was shooting straight, Cortez could get himself suspended. You mean you could get him suspended? What's the matter? You afraid to meet him? Why, you... No, no, no. Careful, Foster. Slugging me is no way to get me to work for you. Everybody thinks I'm a scared of Cortez. Look, I want to meet him, you understand? I've been ready right along, only Whitney wouldn't sign me up. Whitney's your manager? Yeah. So Whitney's a scared of Cortez. He said Cortez wouldn't draw flies. Well, maybe you will after Cortez gets through with you. Funny man. I ought to... Now, look, look. You came here to get me to help you out of the fight with Cortez. You can't expect my overwhelming admiration. You've got it wrong. I just want a fair fight. When I lick him, I don't want nobody saying that he took a dive. That's not the way you put it before. Well, that's the way I meant it before. Now, you, you're going to take the job, or ain't you? You want me to check with Cortez's girl find out if she was telling the truth about Rich? Yeah. Well, why not just report what she said to the commission and let them investigate? Well, I don't want to stick my neck out if she's lying. What's the girl look like? Oh, really? Yeah. All right, Foster. I'll take the job. Margot Marino. That's right. Foster was right. But what? I don't get it. Angel, you've got it. Look, who are you? What's the... Mike I... Waring. Yes, Mr. Waring? Why not call me Mike, huh? I haven't made up my mind what I'm going to call you yet, but I'm getting ideas. Now, what do you want? In. Not so fast. Oh, sure, so fast. Hey! Well, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship, Angel. So, uh, let's get started. Hmm? Shall I close the door? I'm warning you, I've got good lungs. You won't need them. I'm here on business. Oh? What business? Why did you tell Foster that Don Rich tried to buy off Steve Cortez? Because it happens to be true. You and Cortez had a falling out, didn't you? Suppose we did. Couldn't it be you're just trying to put him on a spot to get even? Could be. 
It's not. Can you prove it? If I had to. What's it to you? Well, you've made a serious charge. I can back it up. I still want to know why you're interested. Who told you what I said? Tommy Foster. Oh. Who are you, a reporter? Not exactly. Then... Say, wait a minute. I'm waiting. You work for Don Rich? <laughs> How'd you guess? Why'd he send you here? To threaten me? Find me off? Well, as a matter of fact... Uh... Just a minute. Hello? Oh, Steve. No, I haven't changed my mind. Now, look, lover boy, if you want to play the field, just don't expect me... Steve! What happened? Steve! What's the matter? I don't know. He was talking to me, and then all of a sudden I heard a noise. It's like a shot. A shot? Yes. Steve Jackson, and he wasn't talking to me anymore. Well, we'd better get to him right away and see what Steve has to say about it, if anything. of the Canex Drama Hour. Now back to the adventures of the Falcon. A minute has passed since a phone call from Steve Cortez to Margot was interrupted by what Margot said sounded like a shot. Now Margot and Mike Waring have rushed down to the street to look for a taxi to take them to Cortez. There's a cab. Taxi! Taxi! Come on, Margot. All right. All right, Angel, get it. Hey, driver, where'd she go? Right there she is, mister, running across the street. Margo, hey, come back here. All the crazy... Margo, look out! Brother, was that close? Yeah, just miss. Well, there's no use my following. I might not have her luck in traffic. <laughs> you must be some wolf to make a risk a neck like that. Well, you got it wrong, driver. You know how come she scrams like that? I'm not sure, but I don't think what scares her is a fate worse than death. You don't? Oh, what I think scares her is death. All right, driver, let's go. Hello, Sergeant Corbett. Mike Waring. I hate to disturb your canasta, old boy, but I found a stiff in room 308 of the Hotel Aldrich. Look into it, will you? Now that I've confirmed the murder, I can't hang around here. I have something more important on my mind. <laughs> no, not blonde. Brunette. So long, Corbett. Oh, hello, Waring. Come in. Thanks, Foster. Well, any luck, Waring? Yeah, lots of luck. You're not going to have to fight Cortez. Oh, you mean he's suspended? I mean he's dead. Eh? Murdered. Holy smoke. Who done it? Foster, you just had a mouthful. Hey, me and him had that row the other night. You think anybody get the idea that yeah, I... probably. You got to help me? That's my business. Okay. You got yourself another job. Right. Did I hear somebody say Cortez was murdered? Yeah, Whitney. Wearing this, my manager, Luke Whitney. Hello, Whitney. Oh. Uh, what's this about Cortez? Was he really... Yeah, really and truly. Champ, do you realize what this means? What does it mean? There goes our gate. We were sure of a sellout. No question about it. But now... I uh, thought you said Cortez wouldn't draw flies, Whitney. When did I say that? Well, you said it. Oh, oh, you mean last year, Champ. Sure, but now things are different. Cortez has a rep. We'd have cleaned up a sellout. No question. In fact, you might have had a double sellout. 
Huh? Sell out at the gate, and maybe Cortez would have sold out in the ring. That's why uh, you hired me, wasn't it, Fortin? Yeah, well, was was that Marino Dame on the level? So it would seem. Hey, then, that's the way it ties up. Rich Dick is with Cortez. Cortez gives him the air, so Rich knocks off Cortez. No, 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 no. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Fortin. Right now, I'm interested in the girl. Do you think she killed Cortez? Hardly, Whitney. She was with me when it happened. Oh, well, then why bother with her? Because she's making with an off-beat routine. First of all, Fawcett, how come she told you about Cortez and Rich? Uh, her and Cortez had a row. She wanted to give them the business. She could have gone to the commission. Well, she didn't know none of the commissioners, but she knew me. Uh, and she figured I'd take it from there. I see. You know where I can find her? I know her address. Yeah, she's not there. Have any idea where she's going to hide out? Hide out? Who's the girl hiding out from, Larry? From me, Whitney. You? Yeah, and if this is the kind of results I get, I'm going to ask Dale Carnegie for my money back. How do you do, sir? Hello, I'm Mike Waring. I'm looking for Don Rich. Mike Waring, I've been half expecting you. Come in, sir. Come in. Thank you. I take it you're rich. That's right. How come you were expecting me? And before we go any further, a conversation like this can never get anywhere unless one of the participants has the initiative. Therefore, allow me. Uh, all right, Rich. The gun gives you the initiative. Now what? Now you raise your hands above your head. That's it. And now we walk into the living room. Go ahead. Walk into my parlor. You may sit in that easy chair. Well, thank you. And if you like, you may put your hands down, one on each arm of the chair. As long as you keep them just like that, there'll be no trouble. Comfortable? With that heater pointed at my middle? <laughs> sure, I feel fine. It's necessary for the moment. I understand you're working for me. Oh, you found Margot. Where is she? Look, son. Stop. I drew this revolver so that I should do the interrogating. I want to know why you said you were in my employ. I didn't. You just admitted it. The girl said so. It was her idea. What's your connection with her? I've just been wondering the same thing about you. But I have the gun. Oh, I haven't forgotten. Then answer my question and don't move your hands. All right, all right. I won't move my hands. How about my feet? Oh! oh. No, I'll take that gun. No! Yes! There we are. All right, son, you win. Oh, don't look so grim, Rich. Don't tell me you didn't get a big kick out of it. I'm in no mood for humor. All right, as long as you're still in the mood for conversation. Only this time I have the initiative. What do you want to know? Your tie-up with Margot. There isn't any tie-up. She ran out on me. She blabbed to you. Because she thought you were working for me. Well, what's that got to do with it? Why not ask her? Where can I find her? At her apartment, probably. Well, that's the last place. She knows I might look there. She doesn't care anymore. How do you know? She was afraid of me. She thought you were employed by me. Now that that misunderstanding has been cleared up... She's not afraid of me anymore. How about you? Not afraid of me either. I made it clear she had no reason to be. But why was she in the first place? Because of the way you acted. Oh, no, 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 no. There was something else. I think not. I think so. Well, ask her. I intend to. So long, son. Hello, Margot. Oh. Oh, you, Mr. Waring. Mike. Well, still in a soup course, huh? I'll join you. I uh, was up at your place. The man at the desk said you'd be here. Well, mm-hmm. that'll cost him a nut sack come next Christmas. <laughs> I thought you straightened things out with Rich. Not with you. Why did you say you worked for him? I didn't. You did. Who do you work for? 
freelance. Then what did you want with me? I told you, checking me on about Rich and Cortez. Suppose I tell you I was just lying. Steve and I had a fight and I wanted to make trouble. Look, it was a smooth thing to do, but I was upset. Mm-hmm. How much did Rich pay you? What? To get you to switch your story. Nothing. You know, Angel, if you build up that fight between you and Cortez, you're just strengthening your motive for the murder. What of it? Well, you wouldn't want people to get the idea you killed Steve, would you? I couldn't have killed him. I was with you at the time. Oh, yes, that's right. Why do you say it like that? Like what? Sarcastic. I was with you. So you were. Well, then? I'm afraid I'll have to skip dinner with you after all, Angel. There are a couple of points I want to check. I'll be seeing you. Don't count on it, Mr. Waring. Cortez? I think so. Well, that's great. Who is it? I have to iron out a couple of details first. Maybe you can help me. Can you come over to my place? Well, I, I got to see you guys at the Hotel Randolph in a little while. Couldn't you meet me there? We'll, we'll talk in the lobby, huh? Okay, Foster. 20 minutes? That's good for me. 20 minutes it is. So long, Larry. Okay, mister, here you are. Hotel Randolph. All right, driver. Thank you. Say, can you change... Oh, hey. Mister, you all right? Mister! Oh, no, not you. Oh, that's funny. I could have sworn it is. I read in the paper you were shot. In the leg. It's not fatal. Oh, too bad. I'm coming in. No, you're not. Now, look, I'm in no condition to argue about it. But if you don't cooperate with me, you're taking a big chance. How so? Well, somebody tried to kill me. Next time, you may succeed unless I wrap this up quickly. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Well, now, don't you forget, Angel, I'm your alibi. What? Your proof that you didn't kill Cortez is that I was with you when he was murdered. But if I'm not around to I admit... I see what you mean. All right, come in. Thank you. Now, how about the truth? What truth? About you and Rich. I don't know what you mean. As soon as Cortez was murdered, you ran to Rich. I didn't. No use denying it. He knew about me. He said he got it from you. Well, I... I phoned him, that's all. Why? I thought you were working for him. I wanted to know what it was about. The next time I saw you, you changed your story about Rich and Cortez. How'd Rich get you to do that? He didn't. Rich didn't go up to see Steve. I lied about it. And later I decided to tell the truth, that's all. Mm-mm. You've got it backwards. Now, if you want my help, you've got to level with me. I am. No, you're not. You're afraid. Yeah. All right, now listen. Rich won't hurt you, I'll see to that. But you're in a spot, Mark, or a bad spot. And the truth is all that can help you. So now let's have it straight or I'm getting out of here and don't count on me for an alibi. All right, you win. What do you want to know? Why you switch stories. Well... When Steve was killed, I thought Rich might kill me, too. Oh, you thought Rich was the murderer? Well, naturally. So I escaped from you and, and called him. I swore I wouldn't say anything about his going to see Steve if he'd only leave me alone, and he promised. You accepted his promise? Well, what else could I do? Oh, come on, Margot. Where are we going? 
I want to wrap up this case, and I'd like you to be along. What can I do? Well, you can hold my hand, Angel. Let's go. Mike Waring took Margot over the hand and led her out of the apartment. His goal? To wrap up the case. Now we find Mike at the local steakhouse that serves as Foster's hangout. Oh, Foster. Whitney. Oh, Waring. Margot. Oh, sit down. Join us. Thanks, Whitney. Don't mind getting off this leg. I heard you were in the hospital. Yeah, Foster, overnight. Well, just what happened to you, anyway? Uh, Whitney, I went over to the Hotel Randolph to keep an appointment with Foster here. When I got out of the cab, somebody was waiting for me in the alley next to the hotel. Huh? He plugged me, that's all. Do you know who it was, Larry? Yeah, sure, Foster. Well, you mean you've seen him? No, but I know him. Who? Same person who killed Cortez. Bullet was from the same gun. But do you know who killed Cortez? I think so, Foster. Who? Well, you're the one who told me to go to the hotel, Randolph. Now, wait a minute. You don't hang this on me. All the time. You know, I was in a taxi on my way over when you got it. I didn't get there left after the shooting. Now, if you don't believe me, you can check with the driver of my cab. I already have. Huh? I called a taxi company and found the driver who took you over. Well, what did he say? He said you arrived a few minutes after the shooting, so you must have been in this cab at the time of the shooting. All right, then. Yeah, Foster, all right for you. Well, Mike, you've cleared Foster and you've cleared me. Cleared you? Well, you were with me at my place when Steve was killed. Was I? Well, of course. What are you I, uh, checked on that, too. The exact time of his death hasn't been determined. But we know the exact time, because he phoned. Well, he was on the phone when he was shot. At least you say he was on the phone. All we have is your word for it, Margot. Well, but it's... Are you trying to say I'm lying? No. Well, you can't think I killed Steve. Oh, yes, I could. I almost did. But now that I know Whitney's the murderer, that lets you out, Margot. I? Well, you don't mean that, Wary. Well, here comes Sergeant Corbett of the police. I asked him to meet me here. So, Whitney, you'll get a chance to see just exactly what I do mean. Hello, Corbett. <laughs> Why did Whitney do it, Mike? Well, he was sure Cortez could beat Foster. So when the boxing commission forced the match, Whitney killed Cortez to get rid of the threat to Foster's title. If he get rich, we'd take the rap for it. But the match was a sellout. Think of the money Whitney lost by killing Steve. Ah, peanuts compared to hanging on to the title. There'd be other matches. And Foster had a good chance of whipping anyone but Cortez. I see. Well, why did Whitney try to kill you? Because I said I had an idea who the murderer was, and Whitney thought I meant him. But well, didn't you? No, not at the time. It was his shooting at me that put me straight. How? Well, the person who shot at me was waiting in the alley next to the Hotel Randolph. That meant he knew I was going there. Uh-huh. Well, Whitney was with Foster when Foster made the appointment to meet me at the Randolph. And they were the only ones who knew. So, it had to be one of them. And when the cab driver cleared Foster, that left Whitney. All right, Mike. Only one more question. What's that? You insisted on bringing me along when you nabbed Whitney. Why? I didn't help you. Well, Angel, suppose all I'd ask was for you to have dinner with me tonight. Would you accept it?
That's going to do it for the Relic Radio Show this week. You can find more from The Falcon, Escape, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. You'll also find our Shoutcast stream there with even more old-time radio, lots to listen to, made possible by your support. If you'd like to help out, donate.relicradio.com. Or click on one of the links on the website. Thank you again to everyone who has helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back tomorrow with another hour of mystery on Case Closed, and next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show. 